0: Well, good morning. And by the way, don't you love our team? When they do something, they do it big. This is unbelievable. That's the biggest coconut drink I've ever seen in my life. But for those of you who are concerned, it's just coconut water. It's safe for church consumption. But it's funny, our team showed me pictures last night, video, and it looked like it was all video, but that is a real set. And it is an awesome, awesome beginning for our Unforgettable Summer Series. If you're a guest here, welcome to the beginning of our Summer Series Unforgettable. If you're a regular attender, you know this is a big event. All summer long, we're going to experience different communicators and different leaders that God is using in a big way around the world. And they're coming in, and they're sharing an unforgettable truth that God has used to change their lives, and they're sharing it with us. And so this is a series that you don't want to miss. And for the first time in five years, I have the privilege of being a part of the series, and I wanted to kick it off this year with with an unforgettable truth that God's used to shape my life. And I have to tell you, the best way for me to define this unforgettable truth this weekend is by thinking about my dad. Next weekend is, is Father's Day, and uh, my dad went to be with God back in the year 2000, and during this season, I think a lot about him. And I have to tell you, when, when I was a kid, it, it wasn't hard to figure out what I thought of my dad in the different seasons of my childhood. I, all you had to do is look at my behavior and you'd know exactly what I thought of my dad. When, when I was really young, I'd, like most kids, run to greet him when he got home. I'd follow him around and always try and engage him. I, 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 I thought he was larger than life. I, I wanted to be near him. I, I wanted his attention. good way to say it, I think, is I wanted him to see me. You know? When I was a teenager, Everything changed in my behavior towards my dad. Rather than running to him when he came home, I tried not to be home when he came home. Or if I was, I would run to my room or I would try and leave as soon as possible. I, I tried to avoid him as a teenager at all costs. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want him to see me, the reality was, during that season of my life, I didn't want anything to do with my dad. And the difference is pretty profound between those two behaviors, right? When I was young, obviously, I, I, I thought this guy was everything, that he was larger than life. When, when I was young, I, I saw him as wise, I saw him as strong, I saw him as good. He was my father and I was proud of it. But when I was a teenager, it all changed. In fact, I began seeing him as my great enemy. You see, he was standing between me and what I wanted to do with my life. He was standing between me and my independence. He was an authority who, in my view at the time, was messing up my life. Because of him, I couldn't do whatever I wanted. And so I tried to avoid him. Can any of you relate to this behavioral pattern towards any of your parents or authority figures in your life? I bet you can. Of course you can. Over time, here's what I've learned. The same exact narrative is true in our relationship with God. It's exactly the same. It's not hard to figure out what I think of God at any different season of my life. If you get close enough, all you have to do is watch my behavioral pattern. You'll be able to tell what my relationship is with God, what my thoughts are towards God by how I react to Him, whether I'm pursuing Him or avoiding Him, whether I'm open to Him or hiding from Him. It's it's just obvious. And here's what I know. The same is true for each and every one of you. Now, we can do a good job sometimes masking it, can't we? We can, we can put on the image, we can put on the perception, we can make people think that our behavior towards Him is different, but we know personally, and anyone who knows us personally can see what our behavioral pattern is towards Him. And it tells us everything we need to know about our relationship with Him. And so here's the unforgettable truth that I want to share with you this weekend. Here's the unforgettable truth we're beginning this entire series with this weekend. Those who genuinely know and love and trust God as Father run to Him, not away from Him. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly, those who are in a trust relationship with Him, run to Him and are safe. Those who genuinely know and love and trust God as Father seek Him. They don't try and avoid Him. They seek Him. They don't ignore Him. They pursue Him. Psalm 63, 1, you, God, are my God, earnestly, zealously, fervently, passionately. I seek you, David said. Those who really know and love and trust God as Father, you can see it in their behavioral pattern because they are constantly calling on Him, they're constantly reaching out on Him and in biblical parlance, they pray the father of faith a guy named abraham started life as abram god expanded his name to abraham and he truly was the one who laid down the foundation of what it means to know god and to love god and to trust god to live a life of faith and look what it says about him in genesis 13:4 then abram called on the name of the lord what did he do when he when he really got to know god as father when he really came to love God as his father, when he really came to trust God as father, what did he do? He called on the name of the Lord. This is an unforgettable truth because I, for years, was raised to call myself a Christian, a Christ follower, a child of God, but, but my behavior made it clear that I wasn't because I didn't run to him. I ran away from him. I I didn't seek Him. I avoided Him. I ignored Him. I lived as if He didn't exist, as if I didn't need Him at all. I wasn't constantly reaching out to Him and calling on Him and, and praying. No, I was doing life on my own. I used the, the words of Christianity, of being a child of God. I sang the songs sometimes when I was made to go to church by my family, but, but I didn't know Him and love Him and trust Him. Many of us use the words of spirituality, use words of faith, we talk about God as if He's our Father, but we're not running to Him, we're not seeking Him, we're not calling on His name, which means we don't really know Him as Father, love Him as Father, and trust Him as Father, and that's where the promises ultimately are experienced. You see, this is what God's people do, those who really know, love, and trust Him, they They call on His name. You might not know this, but one of the very first descriptive names of of the followers of God, the children of God in the Bible, was simply this. It wasn't a a one-word name. They were called the people who called on the name of the Lord. That's how they were identified. You can start seeing it in Genesis 4, 26. Every time there was someone who started knowing, loving, and trusting God, they were given this name. That's one that calls on the name of the Lord. And the opposite is also true. The Bible makes it very clear that those who don't really know God, they might say they do, but they don't really know Him. Those who don't really love God, even though they might say they do or sing about loving Him, but they don't really love God. Those that really don't trust Him, they might talk about being people of faith, but they don't really trust Him as Father. They don't call on the name of the Lord. Look at how the Bible says it in Psalm 14, verse 4. Will evildoers never learn, those who devour my people as men eat bread... Those, you know, the evil ones, the ones who don't know, love, and trust God, those who do not call on the Lord, the ones who don't run to Him, that don't seek Him, that don't call on Him. Praying, reaching out, and calling on God literally is the the identification of those who genuinely know, love, and trust Him. And it's also the identification of those who don't. And the truth is, I can say prayers and you can think, wow, he really knows, loves and trusts God. But I know if I'm really reaching out to God, having a conversation with God, pursuing God or not in my prayers, right? And you know as well. I knew exactly what my relationship with my dad was like. When I was a young kid, that he was my hero. When I was a teenager, that he was my enemy. I knew exactly what it was like. No one else around me necessarily knew unless they knew me close. And the same thing is true with our relationship with God. You know exactly what it's like. Do you know and love and trust him? Does your behavior show that you're pursuing him? Or is it the opposite? I actually learned the importance of calling on the name of the Father once again, through my relationship with my dad. How important it is if we have the right relationship with father that, that will call on them. My, my dad was a really strong and proud guy, pretty closed off, he didn't open up a lot, especially when I was younger. But when I became an adult, got married, Roxanne and I started having our own kids, it was pretty interesting, I, I didn't reach out to them very much my family. I was kind of off doing my own thing and living my own life. I didn't call them much. And I'll never forget the one time this really proud man came to me, and he was, you know, forlorn is a good word. He, he addressed this issue with me. He actually said, he said, Brad, it hurts your mom that you don't call us more. Now you get the language there? It hurts your mom that you don't call us more. What he was saying is, it hurts me. You say you love me, you send me Father's Day cards and those kind of deals, but but you never really pursue me. You never really, you know, call. You don't reach out. And I I realized that that My behavior was reflecting the fact that I wasn't cherishing my dad the way I should cherish my dad, and there needed to be some changes that I ultimately did make in my life. But here's what I want you to know. The same is true of our relationship with God. You see, we call on and we look to and we reach out to those that we know, love, and trust. We look to that which we know, love, and trust, and if not God, then it's something else. And here's, I'm really curious about it because this became so unforgettably impacting in my life. I'm curious about it for you. What is it for you that you look to, that you run to, that you seek, that you reach out to? What is it for you? Is it God? You see, Jesus, the one who laid down the pattern for what it means to be a child of God, to be a a follower of God, his whole life was defined by prayer. Everything about his life, there's nothing in his life that didn't flow out of prayer or nothing in his life that prayer didn't flow out of. His whole life was defined by running to the Father, by By seeking the Father, by pursuing the Father, by reaching out to the Father, by calling on the Father, his whole life, there wasn't any part of it that wasn't defined by prayer. Why? Because he genuinely knew him as Father and loved him as Father and trusted him as Father. He knew that was the only way to make it through this world. And so the question I have to ask myself all the time is, how about me? You know, I talk about him all the time. It's my vocation. But am I always running to him, really, personally? Or am I running away from him? Am I seeking him, or am I basically ignoring him, acting like he doesn't exist, unless a real big crisis comes when I can blame him for it? And how about you? I mean, really, just analyze your behavior, because your behavior reflects clearly your relationship with God. Do you really know, love, and trust him as Father? If you do, you're running to him all the time. You're you're seeking him all the time. You're pursuing him all the time. You're calling out to him all the time. You're praying all the time. You can't help it. It's not like you just have 10 minutes in the morning when you pray and the rest of the day you're on your own. I mean, you can't help but be having conversations with him throughout the day. And I'll tell you the truth about me. My, my prayer life isn't where I get down on my knees for two hours a day. I, I, Look at, I can't focus on anything for two hours a day. I mean, it's like crazy, but, but I, I'm more of a person who's having a conversation with God in and out of every moment of the day. I'm walking to a meeting, I'm saying, God, I need your wisdom this because you know I'm gonna blow this if you don't show up, you know. God, I really need you to fill me with your grace and compassion because I'm walking to a room where I wanna kill every single one of these people immediately, and I, I kinda need that, and I... I God, I need your wisdom because I'm an idiot and they're asking me to make important decisions that have great consequence in people's lives for years to come. And I just need your wisdom. And I you know, it's like it's like this constant conversation when I'm in the right relationship with him. But you know what happens when I'm not in the right relationship with him? When I'm talking about knowing, loving, and trusting him, but I'm not living in knowing, loving, and trusting, you know what happens? I go through my day and I don't have those conversations. Let me ask you, what what's your day like? what was this past week like for you, running to him or away from him? And I think this is the important truth that then helps us to look at what Jesus was trying to teach us when he gave us what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. You know, the… If you grew up religiously in the Christian world, then the Lord's Prayer is this thing you were taught when you were a kid. In fact, if you couldn't memorize it, you didn't graduate, you know? You didn't, like, get to take your first communion, your parents killed you, and, you know, you couldn't get, you know, all this stuff, and so, ugh, no, it's, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, you know, that kind of thing. But, but Jesus didn't give us the Lord's Prayer as words to pray. In fact, just before He gave us the Lord's Prayer and told us this is how you should pray, He said, Don't just use repetitious words, don't just say the same things over and over and over again, don't say things you don't mean, but instead, this is how you should pray. When he gave us the Lord's Prayer, and this was unforgettable when I heard it for the first time, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was not giving us words to pray, he was giving us the pattern for how to pray, to how to reach out to God, to how to call on Him. And look at it, Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13. You want to run to God, seek God, call on the Lord? This is how you do it. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus says. This is how you should call on the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you really know and love and trust God as Father, you're going to run to Him, and, and this is where Jesus teaches us how. When I, when I learned that this was the pattern for prayer, it was unforgettable for me. It actually changed the way I, I talked to God and pursued God and had a conversation with God. It changed everything. I, I had a hard time praying before I learned this, to be honest with you. I, I was part of a club as a kid before I came to faith. 777 it was called. You were supposed to spend seven minutes in the Bible, which was an eternity for me then. You were supposed to spend seven minutes praying, and I'm telling you, I couldn't pray for seven minutes if I wanted to. I listed everyone I knew 10 times over, and 30 seconds went by. It was like I didn't know how to pray, and then you were supposed to do seven minutes doing something good. Well, that never worked either. So, I I wasn't, I'd never graduated from that club. But here's the thing, when I learned that the way you pursue God is the way Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, all of a sudden I had no problem spending seven minutes in prayer. And it's like an outline He gave us, and I'm not gonna, this this isn't the fullness of my talk this weekend. but. my whole prayer journal, I don't know how you pray, but I, I have digitized it over decades now, uh, my prayer journal and what I pray through, and it's all based upon the Lord's Prayer, and it's outlined this way, because this is how He taught us to pray. When I come to God, when I, He said, this is how you should pray, I start with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what I do is I spend time declaring who God really is, reminding myself who God really is, reminding myself of how I really need Him. You're my Father in heaven. You're the one whose name is worthy to be praised. Because if I don't do that, then I can go through the whole day and think my name's the one that I'm supposed to be building and my name's the one that's, you know, I'm supposed to be living off of, and it's just not true. And then the second part of my prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus taught us to pray. We by nature try to build our kingdoms. In so doing, we build kingdoms of sand. We live meaningless lives, but but instead of living selfless life, selfish lives and building our own kingdom, we're supposed to say, God, I I want to be a part of the kingdom you're building because it's eternal, it's meaningful, it has purpose and significance. It's what heaven's based upon. And so I Instead of me living for me today, I want to live for you. Instead of me building for me today, I want to build for you. And so doing, my life has consequence for eternity. And I pray about all those things. And then he taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread, which reminds me that I can't, no matter how hard I work and I work hard, I can't provide for myself. He's the one that gives me the gifts and he's the one that gives me the opportunities and he's the one that gives us the economic circumstances and And he's the one that provides our daily bread. And this is spiritual and emotional and physical and relational in every single way. I mean, you're the only one that can provide what I need today. Too many of us are so busy trying to provide for tomorrow that we're not trusting God with today. And then he said, taught us to pray, which is the next part of my prayer life and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is the time when I acknowledge, you know, I haven't haven't been living for your kingdom. I've been a little bit selfish. I've been really messing up and I need you to forgive me, but I know that there's no way I'm experiencing your forgiveness if I'm not forgiving others because if I've been forgiven, I'm going to freely forgive. But if I haven't been forgiven, I'm going to withhold forgiveness and it helps me to navigate through that. And then he taught us to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so my prayer life comes down to where I go, This world is so filled with darkness and filled with challenges, and I am so weak and frail that I just need you to protect me. Keep me from falling in and keep me from falling down. I mean, hold me up. Still are the basis of my personal prayer life. But it doesn't stop with me. Once I feel like I've established order in my relationship with Him, then I pray through that same prayer for my wife, and I pray through that same prayer for my kids, and I pray through that same prayer for all of my family. I pray through that prayer for you, my Northridge family, and for each and every aspect of concern in this world, I pray through that because that's how we run to Him. And you know what happens when I'm not knowing Him and loving Him and trusting Him as Father? I'm not praying through that. I'm throwing it away. I know what my relationship is with the Father by my behavior. Here's the question. What's your relationship with the Father? And for me, the whole relationship boils down to genuinely knowing him and loving him and trusting him as Father. And this is why Jesus started the Lord's Prayer the way he did. And this is really where I want to anchor this unforgettable, this unforgettable talk, I hope, because it's been an unforgettable truth in my life. I want to anchor it with how he opens the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because you see, when we really understand God as our Father in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised, when we really love him as the Father who is in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised. When we really trust Him and believe with all of our being that He is our Father in heaven whose name is worthy to be praised, it changes everything in our lives. Then we want to be a part of His kingdom, not ours. Then we want to have Him provide because we know only He can. Then we want for Him to forgive us because we know how far away we are from what. Then we want Him to protect us. You see, it all starts with our view of the Father. When I really know and love and trust Him as my Father in heaven whose name is worthy to be praised, everything in my life changes and everything in your life will be as well. And so this is where I spend the bulk of my conversation with God because I have a hard time in this world always seeing Him through the lens of who He is just like I had a hard time seeing my dad through the lens of who He was. My dad was not my enemy. He was my dad and he cared more about me than he cared about anyone in this world me and my brothers. But I saw him as my enemy. I saw him as in the way. I saw him as trying to keep me from the life I should live instead of being the foundation for the life I live. And it was all in how I saw him. And I'm telling you, many of us don't have the relationship with God we need to have because we don't see him right. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I thought I'd just spend some time walking through what this does for me, and maybe it'll help you. This is less of a talk and more of a personal sharing, to be honest with you. I almost came out on the stage and said, hi, I'm Brad, and hoping you'd all stand up and say, hi, Brad, and we'd be all in a group together. But um, when, when I say our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it's, for me, a declaration of faith. I mean, I'm I'm re-establishing and re-declaring and putting in words what I really believe. Our Father in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised, I'm saying, you are. I'm declaring by faith that He is. And see, every day, if I don't declare that He really is, that He's real, that He's there, I live as if He's not, don't you? And so when I say our Father in heaven, I'm saying you are, you are real. You are for real. I'm declaring it as what I believe. And you aren't just God. You aren't just there. But you are, and this is the declaration of faith, you are my Father. My Father. You're not some faraway, distant, mystical force. You're not, you know, just in trees and cats like pantheists believe. You're... You are my Father. You are. You are my Father. And you are in heaven. You are over everything, overall supreme. You are worthy to be praised. And I'm telling you, when I start my day recognizing that he is, that he's my Father, that he's overall, that he's worthy to be praised, it changes my focus that day. Do you know and love Him and trust Him as Father? Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name's worthy to be praised. That's a declaration of faith that helps us to understand that, that God the Father transcends our limitations. When, when I pray this prayer, I'm, I'm saying, God, I am stuck in my circumstances. I I lack the resources I need in this world. I am so limited in my capacity. I mean, I am constantly challenged, constantly facing obstacles that I can't overcome. Life is overcoming me. Darkness is overcoming me. Shadows are ruling my life. I am a mess, but you're my Father in heaven and you're bigger than my limitations and you're bigger than my circumstances and you're bigger than my resources and you're bigger than my opportunities. You are above all this stuff. It's a reminder that in Him I have unlimited power, but without Him I'm limited by my own weakness. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When I was a teenager I missed out on so much that my dad could have provided because I saw him as the enemy, because I ignored him, because I left him out of my life. Many of us are missing out on so much in this world because we're leaving God out instead of remembering who He is. We're complaining about our circumstances instead of turning to the God who's above them. We're complaining about our lack of resources instead of turning to God who's bigger than them. We we need to see Him for who He is. That's why, this is how you can understand Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's that mean? He's our Father in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised. In Him there are no limits. Without him, we're imprisoned by limits. How are you living? Do you know him and love him and trust him as father? If you do, you're running to him, depending on him. If not, then you're losing out. When we say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it's a declaration that he's in control. And I don't know about you, but much of my life, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm out of control. Like, do do you read the news and say, this world makes sense. How sane can a world be? Or do you think, this world is out of control? By the way, if you think it's sane, you might want to see a doctor because you're insane. You know, that's kind of how I see it. So I go into the day and I feel overwhelmed. The world is out of control, but when I to run to Him and say, You're my Father in heaven. Your name is worthy of praise. I'm saying, You're in control. Look at Proverbs 16.9, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. He's in control. When I say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, I'm, I'm declaring by faith that He's able. And it's really important for me to declare because I'm not. There's so much that I'm not able to do. When I when I just think about the needs represented by our spiritual family here at Northridge alone, I am overwhelmed by those needs. I don't have the capacity to meet those needs. I don't have the capacity to organize or resource the meeting of all those needs. I can't even pray for all of those needs. It is overwhelming to me. But when I turn to Him and say, you're my Father in heaven whose name is worthy of praise, I'm saying, I'm not able but you are. Reminds me of Ephesians 3.20 where he says, now to him who is able, we're not, but he is, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, who can do more than we can dream of imagining, and he does it according to his power that he chooses to put at work within us. He's able. When I pray, you're my Father in heaven whose name is worthy to be praised. I'm, I'm declaring by faith that, that I believe that wherever He guides me, He also provides for me. And I don't know about you, but very often I feel like I don't have the provisions I need in life. I, I don't know about you, but the bank account's never what I want it to be, and the retirement account's never what I want it to be, and, you know, I don't ever drive the car I really want to drive, drive a 2009 Jeep Commander. I want... I want to drive a Maserati. I'm sorry, I just do. The other day, I was driving with my grandson, and there was this cool BMW convertible. I, it was like the coolest convertible. Probably, I don't know. and I, I, I just looked at it, and I said, "Isn't that a cool car?" He goes, "Yeah." But when I say you're my father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'm not thinking about what I don't have. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about who I do have, and I have the one who provides for me everything I need wherever he guides me. I love Deuteronomy 22, verse seven. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you've not lacked anything. 40 years you you might not know the Bible story but for 40 years his people walked through the wilderness through the desert land. Places where there was no water, there was no food. There were no Walmarts or Targets. And yet you know what God did? Where there was no provision, because he guided there, he provided there. He provided water, if necessary, out of a rock. He provided food by just having it come down in the form of manna. And you know how he provided the clothing and the things that we would get from Target? By preserving the clothes they had for 40 years, they never wore out. Where God guides, he provides. When I say, you're my father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'm saying, I feel under-resourced, but I believe where you guide me, you'll provide for me. I don't feel like I have the opportunities I should have, but I know that where you guide me, you'll provide for me. I, I don't feel like I have the influence I should have, but where you guide, you'll provide. And, and it's a declaration that He really does provide. When, when I say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, can I just summarize it? I'm basically saying, God, you see everything. I'm declaring it by faith. And this is important because most of my conversation with God is less about having a conversation with God and more about reporting to Him the things I think He's missing in my life. Do you ever do that? God, I don't know if you saw it. See what they did to me this week? I, know, I saw it. I didn't get that raise, I didn't get that promotion, didn't get this, didn't get a job, didn't get that. No one noticed me. It's all this reporting. But when I say you're my Father in heaven, your name is worthy to be praised, I'm saying you haven't missed anything, so I don't need to waste time reporting the news to you. And look at Proverbs 15:3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. He sees it all. Do you realize that when I say our Father in heaven, your name is worthy to be praised, I'm saying, God. I am afraid of so many things in this world. But because I know you, I don't have to be afraid of anything. Second Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God, I'm afraid of what's going to happen in our future, but you're in heaven, so you're already in our future, and I don't have to be afraid of that anymore. I'm afraid of failure, but I, I don't have to be afraid of my failure because though I'm limited in power, you're unlimited in power. You're my Father in heaven. Do you see what I'm saying? When you know and love and trust Him as Father, you run to Him because you know what you have in Him. But when you don't, you become the loser. And I'll just say this finally, it's like when I say our Father in heaven, I, It's a declaration that in Him, I have not just hope in the moment, but I have eternal hope. Because think about what it's saying. Our Father, where? In heaven. By saying those words, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, If God is heaven, then heaven is for real. And I don't have to throw away my life for this life on earth because in Jesus, for positive, I'm going to go be with God and where is God? In heaven. I don't have to waste my life living for this broken place. I can live in this broken place for that place that is not broken where God is. Our God in heaven. There's hope. If God is real, then heaven is real, then eternal life is real, and that's what I want to live for. So remember the truth. Those who genuinely know, love, and trust God, they run to Him, not away from Him. They seek Him. They call on His name, our Father in heaven. So here's, here's kind of how I want to weave it down to an application for your everyday life. If we want to honestly know where we are, in our relationship with God, all we have to do is honestly evaluate our behavior towards Him. I mean, look at Second Corinthians 13 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And really all you have to do is all you have to do is go through the Lord's Prayer. Because those who really know, love, and trust Him run to Him, right? They call on Him. That's our name, those who call on the name of the Lord. And so, am I living as if He's my Father in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised? Am I living for His kingdom or my kingdom? Am I trusting Him for my daily bread or am I insecure about it? Am I living in His forgiveness, forgiving others, or am I living without His forgiveness in shame and guilt? Am I trusting Him for His protection in my life? Do you see what I'm saying? Examine your behavior. Examine, and you'll know exactly what your relationship with God is. Can I ask you, what's your relationship with God these days? If you haven't been calling on the name of the Lord, then you haven't been knowing Him as Father and loving Him as Father and trusting Him as Father. And I'm not saying that that means you're not one of his children, because you see, as a teenager, I was still Brad Powell. My dad's name was Christian. Christian Powell was still my father. I just didn't experience the benefits of it. I didn't experience the strength of that. I didn't experience the grace of that. I didn't experience the provision of that. I didn't experience all that I could have experienced my dad, not because I wasn't his son but because I didn't pursue him and reach out to him and call on him. And there are many of you who do that with God. Those of you who know him. Why am I, we whine, why am I not experiencing his promises? Why isn't there, and all we're saying is that we're not trusting him as father. We're demanding he's our genie. And it doesn't work that way. And I just encourage you to start calling on his name. Start changing your behavior. Like I had to change with my behavior with my dad when he said I hurt him because I didn't call them more. But here's how I really want to apply it. I want you to look at Romans 10 verse 13. And the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Those who call on the name. Those who call on the name, why? Because he's the Father. Because he's in heaven. Because he's the one that can forgive, he's the one that can provide, he's the one that can protect. Jesus came to earth and lived the life we failed to live and then died because the wages of our sin was death and then rose again so that we could experience the life only he deserved and all we need to do to experience his salvation is call on him. So isn't it interesting? The way our life with God begins is by calling on his name and the way our life with God continues is by calling on his name. Isn't that amazing? And throughout the process, we experience his touch. And so I'm going to ask you just before we end the service, and I have a special way I want to end it. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer so we can call on his name together. And if you're here and you already have a relationship with God as your father, I'm encouraging you to call on his name as your father in heaven, whose name is worthy to be praised. But if you don't yet have a relationship with him as your father, pray with me now. Call on him with me. Use my words. In your heart, just say, God, I'm calling on you. I want you to be my Father. I don't deserve you. I know. I've sinned against you. I'm guilty. But I believe, Jesus, you died for my sin and rose again. And I'm calling on you and asking you to forgive me and save me and make me a child of God. In Jesus' name. So if you just prayed with me, I really want to encourage you, would you please let me know? I mean, it's an encouragement to me for sure, but more than that, we want to pray for you. We want to send you information about next steps that you can take, and we want to give you a Bible. But we have to know you prayed with me, and so in the programs we hand you, if you're in one one of our campus settings, is a connection card. Just take it out, fill it out. And make sure you check one of the two boxes that are really relevant to this. Either you renewed your faith by calling on his name with me, or you began your journey of faith by calling on his name. And then put it in a box. There are boxes at every exit of our campuses. And just put it in there. And we'll send you a Bible, send you information, and we'll be praying for you. All right? Remember, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you know, love, and trust the Father, you call on him. And how do you call on him? Jesus told us, this is then how you pray in the Lord's Prayer. I thought it'd be fun for us to say it together as the end of this first weekend of Unforgettable. So would you stand with me? And we're going to together say what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. This is how you call on God. This is how you reach out to God. This is how you run to God. You pray... May God hear that prayer today. May we experience his goodness because he is our father. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. We'll